You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Agutner Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Delighted to be with you on High FM. And what a special, special Shabbos this really is. Not only are we lighting our candles a little bit later, 511, but there's a very big candle burning in the world. And that candle was ignited, encouraged, inspired by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And tonight through tomorrow marks the 25th Yorzeit of the Rebbe. Hard to believe. All that since 1994. And we need to ask ourselves, what is an appropriate response to the day? How do we access the power of the day? We have to ask ourselves, what is a leader? What did the Rebbe hope to accomplish? So a true leader does two things. A leader inspires, a leader empowers. A leader inspires, fires the imagination, leads to wonderful heights that are unimaginable. But the leader doesn't just want to create followers. The leader wants to empower, to bring about leadership in the followers. And that characterizes our Rebbe. The Rebbe, in everything that he did, did not put people on his shoulders, but put them on their feet and gave, but expected a tremendous amount in return, not for himself, but for the creator himself. The Rebbe's leadership defies description. And it behooves us at this time to ask ourselves, what is it that the Rebbe wanted to accomplish? And where do I become part of that incredible, incredible journey? The Rebbe left us with a tremendous amount of guidance in the dozens and dozens of published sichais, the untold number of maimorim, Hasidic discourses, Hasidic teachings, letters that the Rebbe wrote to communities and to individuals that have been published, and an incredible, incredible amount of living inspiration in the way that the Rebbe addressed the Torah portion of the week, the festivals, and every one of life cycles. And so today, let's look at what was the Rebbe's dream. The Rebbe's dream was the fulfillment of God's purpose in creating this world. And the Rebbe's driving force was leadership. What is a leader? The leader cares for his people. The leader looks carefully at the needs of the people and at the potential of the people. And the leader cares for every aspect that the people have, every need that the people have. He cares for their material and spiritual needs, their emotional and their mental needs but not, as we said, in a spoon-feeding kind of way, but in a way of great empowerment. The Rebbe taught endlessly the deepest secrets of Hasidus, taught Torah with the secrets of Hasidus. The Rebbe inspired armies of young men and women to march forth and nurture communities worldwide. And the Rebbe never stopped innovating, creating. There were parades. There were rallies. There were all sorts of public gatherings, private audiences. 
the famous dollars line. In each one of these, there was tremendous amount of thought, direction, leadership, empowerment. When did the Rebbe become Rebbe? The Rebbe became Rebbe in 1951. And if you look at the 50s, what was Chabad doing then? Chabad was on campus. Chabad was engaging with non-observant Jewish youth. And the Orthodox leaders of that time couldn't understand what the Rebbe was doing. None of them were doing that sort of thing. Each one of them was involved with nurturing his own community. This was post-Holocaust. And the Rebbe focused on rehabilitating, giving back hope to those where all hope was lost. The Rebbe was preparing in the 50s for the revolution that was to take place in the 60s on college campuses. He wasn't afraid of it. That revolution of the youth, he understood it. He harnessed it. He addressed it. He understood what was going on. The Rebbe showed love in every situation. Love for Israel. Establishing Chabad in Israel in the early 50s. He just cared. He cared about people. He cared about God. He cared about the world. And he cared about doing something with all of his caring. Because there's a difference between thinking and doing. The Rebbe not only thought and innovated, but the Rebbe never stopped looking around to help all those around him maximize their potential. Everything had to be done in a specific way. Of course, there are national and universal missions, but then each one of us has our own part to play. And the Rebbe was there answering questions. The Rebbe was there reassuring, uplifting, and inspiring. Remember the story when Sir Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of Great Britain, first visited the Rebbe when he was just a college student, and the Rebbe asked him, what are you doing for Jewish life at Cambridge? For he was at Cambridge University. And the young Rabbi Sachs, the future chief rabbi, said, well, and he began to explain. He said, well, in the situation in which I find myself, and where he was going was, well, I'm not the giver. I'm the taker in the situation. And the Rebbe interrupted him and said, no one ever finds themselves in a situation. People put themselves into situations. And if you put yourself in one situation, you can put yourself into a different one. It's mind-blowing. Each one of us knows that there are times when we feel trapped, but we need to examine what are we doing to keep ourselves in that headspace because we are the co-authors of our destiny. We can rewrite our own history. That is the gift that Hashem has given man, that we can choose. Animals cannot choose. Plants cannot choose. Minerals cannot choose. The human being has been given the power to choose between good and evil. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. We're speaking about the Rebbe, whose 25th yard site is coming up tonight and tomorrow. 
where thousands and tens of thousands will today be visiting the gravesite, and then tomorrow night the lines will stand all night so that everyone can have a chance to come inside and spend two minutes, three minutes before the next group is allowed in. It's a time of tremendous, tremendous blessing, as the Zohar explains. That on the day of a yard side, especially of a tzaddik, all his life's work, all his deeds come together in one powerful, powerful light, and that energy happens again every single year on that day. And all those who attach themselves to the tzaddik through studying his works and emulating his deeds, they too can come into that light. And on the day of a yard site, the soul is elevated infinitely higher and closer to Hashem, to a place of higher delights, to a place of greater light. And all those who attach themselves to the tzaddik by following his ways, by studying his works, by continuing to live in the way that he lived and to work for the things that he worked for, they too are elevated with him. So this is a very, very special time of blessing. And the custom is for each and every one of us to send our full Hebrew name, together with our mother's Hebrew name, Hebrew and Yiddish, to be mentioned at the graveside for blessing on the day of the site. This is a day of tremendous, tremendous schus and tremendous, tremendous brocha that we should avail ourselves of. The Rebbe became Rebbe after the Second World War. The Jewish world was in shambles. The centers in Europe had been decimated. Families were torn apart, many completely destroyed. And the survivors, the survivors began to straggle into America, into Europe, trying to rebuild their lives. And there were so many of them who just did not know where to start. And I think that it's important to see how the Rebbe related to each and every one and their pain, where they were at. For example, the story of the survivor who came to see the Rebbe. And he told the Rebbe, I cannot stop living in the past. A dark shadow constantly hangs over my life. And I cannot help but look at life, view life, through the prism of my traumatized past. And we all know, in a limited way, what it means that when we've been disappointed and when we've been hurt, and when we've been let down badly, very gently the Rebbe asked him, have you ever spoken about your experiences? No, the gentleman said, I haven't. I find it too painful. So the Rebbe said to him, then I suggest that you write a memoir and make sure that you write it yourself, not through a ghostwriter, to address us where we are. Not to tell people don't feel that way and it's a new day and just go get going and go forward. But he heard, he understood, he addressed the pain and he validated the pain. And in order, he said, to turn a new page... You might have to complete the previous chapter. What a lesson, even then, which psychologists speak about now. Stay with the pain, 
Unpack the pain. Clear the pain. Give it a space. Don't ignore the pain. Don't push the pain down because it doesn't go away. And in order to turn over a new page, in order to start again, this is a story from the Rebbe. You cannot just always leave your past and go forward. You've got to find a way to stop, get it out, so that you can build a life after that. And so it was in each and every situation, whatever was brought to the Rebbe. The Rebbe had something of significance to add and to share. It was so often plain human compassion. You know, we say that common sense is not that common. And healthy connection is not found that often. And one needs to know that one can heal. If God gives someone a predicament, he also gives them the tools to be able to get out of that predicament. But very often we have to remember that it is we, those who hear about it, who must help to give a bit of perspective. And the Rebbe, of course, gave the most incredible, incredible advice. Remember that one about the individual who had decided to change careers and he asked for a brocha and asked for a bit of guidance. And the Rebbe gave him such incredible fatherly advice. So first he advised him as to how he should adjust to his new environment. Then he said to him, for the first three to six months, don't ask yourself where this is going, because you won't have the answer. Because you cannot always judge your success in the moment. We have to commit ourselves. And the Rebbe committed himself to bringing Mashiach. And yes, from time to time we evaluate, but the main thing, is to keep going forward. Constant evaluation can stifle our growth. And we have to set a goal, put our heads down, and begin to work at it. And that's exactly what the Rebbe did from the time he became Rebbe and before. He dreamed of the day when no longer would there be suffering. In fact, as he said, I dreamed of the day when each one of us would be able to see, say with our full hearts, I thank you, Hashem, for having dealt harshly with me. Not only is the suffering justified, but we see the blessing in the darkest and the greatest blessing in the darkest challenge. So the Rebbe had a dream, a dream of a world in which, as the Rambam describes, there would be no war, no hunger, there would be no jealousy, no rivalry. There would be no greed as we know it today. Instead, the entire pursuit of all of mankind would be to get to know the Creator better and better. It would be a pursuit of spirituality. However, to prepare the world for such a day, we have to live in the world. This is not about remote control. And so the Rebbe began systematically to start programs, to send out emissaries to every corner of the globe to advise, to support, to uplift, to make himself available, to inspire and to empower. And so it was that in 1984, there was a Hasidic gathering, and the Rebbe addressed a very interesting thing. It was soon after the 12th of Tammuz, which is the day of liberation of the previous Rebbe from Soviet imprisonment. And the Rebbe was speaking about redemption. And he spoke about 
the wonderful miracles, the amazing, amazing chain of events, as it were, with the intervention of God as to how the previous Rebbe was miraculously freed. And then he spoke about all of us having the tendency to get stuck in an exile mentality because it seems to be the reality. And he said, there sits a Jew. A Jew sits down to a Fabrengen to talk to the Hasidim who have gathered. And he speaks about the Mashiach, that the Mashiach can come now, that the Mashiach can come immediately today, that the Mashiach can come on this Shabbos, and he mentions the Shabbos and the date and so on. And he says, I know the people are thinking, like we understand if we'll speak about it once or twice, but he speaks about it, it seems obsessively, all the time. What's the explanation of this? And he doesn't stop. And he keeps on asking them to sing the song about the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. Why this obsession? We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. It was in 1984 and the Rebbe was at a Shabbos Fabrengen, Parshas Pinchas. Soon after the celebrations and the Hasidic gatherings at which he spoke about the freeing of the previous Rebbe in Soviet Russia from a very, very severe, a series of severe repercussions for spreading Judaism, for teaching or studying Judaism. And he spoke about this in describing himself, a Jew who sits and keeps talking about redemption. And people cannot understand, and these are learned people, and these are devout people, but they're not getting it. Why does this person keep on talking about it at every opportunity that the Mashiach is coming? And every time he talks, the Mashiach is coming right now. And then he spoke about that, of course, every Jew believes in the coming of Mashiach, and every Jew knows that Mashiach can come any day. But still, why? This seems to be um, inexplicable. And then he says they're probably thinking that it's like a dream, a good, beautiful dream. So he's got this dream, but a dream is not reality. And the reality is that we are stuck in our own lives, in our own behavior, in our own human frailties, in our own political situations, we're stuck. And then ultimately the Rebbe speaks about, he says, the people thinking that I'm dreaming, they've got it all wrong. Because King David says in Psalm 126, that when Hashem will redeem us, Bishuv Hashem when he brings back the remnants of Zion, then we will have been like dreaming. He said, now, the reality we think is reality is really the dream. Then we will be fully awake. Then we will know that exile and the difficulties and the restrictions, the negative, that's the dream. But waking up from the dream, that's going to be the time of the Mashiach. And that's what the Rebbe kept his focus on all the time, to give us perspective. And he didn't just give us perspective, but he guided us through daily life according to the Torah. And so 
Not only did he send his emissaries out, but he created a series of programs. He took basic entry-level mitzvahs, as it were, and he encouraged his chassidim, the young students, beginning with the mitzvah of tefillin in 1967, before the Six-Day War. How long does it take to put on tefillin on the arm and the head in the morning? It takes five minutes. To put them on, to make the blessing, to say the Shema, and to take them off again. And the Rebbe began his wonderful campaign where the yeshiva students went out, stood on the streets, and asked people, are you Jewish? Have you put on tefillin today? And countless people began to put on tefillin to reconnect with that incredible mitzvah which brings connection, pride, dignity to the Jew. And for Jewish women girls, he said the world is a dark place and lighting a candle before Shabbat, a spiritual candle, and making a blessing and lighting the candle at the right time with the right blessing illuminates the darkness. It brings light into our homes, into our hearts, and into the world at large. And that little girls, from the age of three or younger, if they can say the bracha, bring light to the world when they kindle the Shabbos or Yontif candles before their mothers. And the Rebbe continued. And he gave us guidance that there should be Jewish books on display, holy Jewish books, a Sidur, a Chumash, a Tehillim, in a Jewish home, prominently displayed. In fact, the Parsha today, our sages speak about something called Bayis Mole Sforim, a house full of books. And then the Rebbe encouraged not only must we proudly display holy Jewish books, but we must study them so that we become a house full of books. We become learned, for we are the people of the book. And it's not so hard to display a Jewish book in your home. And he encouraged us not to keep our grandfather's Rosh Hashanah book somewhere hidden away in a cupboard, in a drawer, but to proudly display them as these are the treasures of a Jewish home. And not only to display them in the lounge and in the main rooms, in the entrance hall, but in our children's rooms, that each one of them have their very own Sidur, their very own Tehillim and Torah book like a Chumash and Haggadah, a child's Pesach Haggadah, to give the child the feeling that this is who you are. And the Rebbe spoke about Tzedakah, to give Tzedakah, to give, well, the word charity can be misleading because charity implies that I am the benevolent one and I'm giving of my own. And the Rebbe said, no, God gives us. And one-tenth minimum doesn't belong to us. We are just the administrators, the bankers on behalf of God. And we must make sure to carefully separate our miser, our tzedakah, in order to bring blessing to the way we spend the rest of our money. You know, we can have a lot of money and God forbid it can be spent on painful things like doctor bills. God forbid on difficult things like therapies. Whereas if we can spend the money on joyful, healthy things, and apparently when we give that tithe, minimum 10%, it blesses the rest of the money that it should please God go 
for a good purpose and for many good purposes. And the Rebbe spoke about that the Jewish books and the Tzedakah box should be actually attached to the wall. It should be like a bookshelf built into the wall, and it should be a charity box, a Tzedakah box that's actually attached to the wall. And he explained, because then we're told that when Mashiach comes, all the houses of worship and study will be redeemed as well. They too will, as it were, fly to Eretz Yisrael. They too will be part of the redemption. And if our homes, he says, have these attached to the walls, they too become elevated to the category of a home of study and a home of acts of goodness. It's a home of giving. It's a home of charity. And he asked us that we attach a tzedakah box in our kitchens and give money before we cook, which will protect the kashrut of our food. And it is that we are going to eat, we're preparing food, and we should think of those less fortunate. And the money that we put into the tzedakah box that's attached to our kitchen wall should be transferred to helping to feed people. He also encouraged us to have a tzedakah box in our car and Jewish books in our car, like a sidur and a tehillim, so that the car too becomes like a shul. And it becomes a vehicle of kindness and giving. But in that way, it becomes protected. And the Rebbe went on, not only with tefillin, phylacteries, Shabbos candles, Jewish books, giving, tzedakah. But he also spoke about studying the Torah on a daily basis, at least morning and evening. Because Torah is called guide, to guide us, to fill us with that wisdom, that nurturance. He spoke always about education. Chinuch. Pure, holy, refined Jewish education for our children to teach them who they are. And at this point, just to mention that he cared about all of humanity. And that is where the Rebbe encouraged that there be a moment of silence in even public schools, so that people could contemplate the Creator, so that people in whatever religion they have should be able to connect with a higher being. They ever cared. He cared about every Jew. He cared about every person. He cared about the world. And he wanted to transform the jungle into a garden. And these holy mitzvahs of Hashem, if you look at them, each one speaks to us of Jewish pride and identity, and of illuminating the world, illuminating our hearts and our homes, so that with great joy we can illuminate outward as well. Mitzvahs that speak about studying so we know who we are, giving so that we think of the other, educating ourselves, educating our children, having a mezuzah on the doorpost of every Jewish home, and almost every doorpost inside needs one too, and a kosher mezuzah, which is protection as well as Jewish pride. An amazing, amazing thing that we show the world outward. Here lives a Jew, but I have nothing to fear because the Shema Yisrael, the Lord our God, the Lord our One, stands, watch, at the doorpost. This scroll brings his protection to protect not only the home and everyone in it, but those who live in this home even when they are not at home.
He spoke about kashrut, about eating kosher, nurturing the body with the right food, the right fuel, which not only brings health, physical health, but spiritual health and sensitivity. So many of the traumas of the world that we go through can be helped through a spiritual answer, a spiritual vitamin, a spiritual balance. And the Rebbe was not shy to tell us clearly what those were. Then the Rebbe spoke about Jewish families, the mikveh laws, taharat ha something that rabbis never wanted to speak publicly about. It was too delicate. Intimacy, private life between husband and wife. But the Rebbe spoke about the sanctity. And the Rebbe encouraged that this mitzvah too should be transmitted with sensitivity and care because the Rebbe knew that the generation in which we live wants the truth. They want the whole thing. So in the 50s when the Rebbe sent emissaries to address address youth on campus and to study the Tanya, to study Hasidus with them, the Rebbe was preparing and preparing us for the revolution of the 60s. He knew that the youth were dissatisfied with the sterile Western way of life and wanted more. He knew they were searching for spirituality. But there's nothing you cannot tell another person. If it belongs to them, they will identify with it. And so the laws of mikveh, the laws of a kosher home, kosher mezuzot, pure, sound, traditional Torah education for your children, the study of Torah it doesn't mean anything to say, but I'm an American, but I'm a South African. This is the 20th century, now the 21st century. These are eternal values, eternal values that will nurture us beyond time, throughout time. And the Rebbe offered us back what was rightfully ours. And then the big mitzvah, the big all-inclusive mitzvah of loving your fellow. The Rebbe emphasized goodness and kindness. He emphasized to us that that's what's missing in the world. The opposite of selfishness, the opposite of thinking it's about me. You want to get filled up. Think about the other. Think with goodness, with kindness, with compassion, with forgiveness. Think to go that extra step to make this world a better place. The Rebbe spoke about love for Israel. The Rebbe was active, passionate about Israel, meeting with Israeli leaders, prime ministers, advisors, who spent hours and hours with him, yearning for and taking his guidance, and amazed that he understood the situation better than anyone. He understood not only what was happening, but what would happen. The Rebbe established Kfar Chabad in Israel. Previous Rebbe and the Rebbe continued. And even when Kfar Chabad was on the border, it was next to Jordan, and the people wanted to leave, especially when there was a terrible massacre there, and students at their holy books were murdered. The Rebbe not only encouraged them to stay, but sent emissaries to fortify them, help to swell the ranks. He cared, and he wasn't afraid, and he also had that godly vision to know that when you do the right thing for God and for the world, you are protected. The Rebbe passionately wanted 
that everybody reached their potential. In the early 50s, the Rebbe encouraged women to organize themselves into a strong and independent organization, a women's organization, but not a sisterhood or a ladies' guild, which means the sisters of the brothers or the ladies of the men or the women's division, but women in their own right to show leadership, to think for themselves, not to need the influence and guidance, as it were, of the men. They ever cared about our material and spiritual goodness and kindness. He cared about the whole person and the whole world. And therefore, at this time, what is it that we can do for the Rebbe after all he's done for us? And what is it that we can do for the Rebbe? It's to make Hashem proud, to bring Nachas to the creator of the world, and to do our part, to help bring this world to the fruition, to the place that God intended when he initially created the world. There is so much that seems to want to stop us, but with determination and keeping our eye on the goal, we will prevail. There is no question. There is a way to handle every challenge. And the greatest way is to fill our lives with doing for others, to stay focused, to understand who we're dealing with, to look to Torah for guidance, because Torah addresses everything. There's nothing that Torah doesn't see to. The Rebbe empowered children. Not only did he have rallies and parades for children and summer camps were open for children, but the Rebbe believed that children could teach and influence. The children are incredibly, incredibly powerful, certainly as an influence on their friends. So the story goes that there was a 14-year-old yeshiva student who didn't have the confidence to come to a yechidus to an audience of the Rebbe on his own. So he arrived, this is a boy, a year after Bar Mitzvah, and his father was with him. And very gently the Rebbe asked, why did you bring your father along? And then very sympathetically he said to the boy, it is time you became your own mensch. You have the power to stand on your own. And any time after that, Whenever the young man's father would ask a question on behalf of his son, the Rebbe would respond, Let your son come and ask for himself. He must learn to become his own person. And that's how the Rebbe nurtured all of us. My husband and I were 23 and 22 years old when we came to this country in 1972. Babies. But we came. We were inspired. Let me tell you a little bit more about that after this break. I think it's... You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Of wonderful infrastructure and welcoming and warm and hospitable and so on. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful 47 plus years that we've been here. But to see the growth of Judaism, of Yiddishkeit here. It doesn't have to do with our talents. It has to do 
with the higher vision, inspiration of the Rebbe and being his shaliach, which means his emissary, staying true to and for as long as the Rebbe was alive to ask his advice and guidance in the details, as well as to continually now review and reflect and search for what did the Rebbe say in similar situations. And so, as we approach the yard site now, each one of us has to review and ask ourselves, what is it that I need to devote myself to, to bring the dream of Hashem, the dream of the Rebbe, and the dream of all of us to fruition. And that is to bring about the time when Hashem himself will have what's called in the Medrash Tanchuma, Adira B'tachtonim, a dwelling place in this physical world. It's an incredible, incredible privilege. It's an incredible, incredible responsibility. And perhaps we should look at wherever we live, whatever we're doing, and to know that what we need to do is to improve, to bring joy, to bring optimism into whatever we are already doing that is good. Which brings to mind the story of the British, British school teacher who came to visit the Rebbe for a yechidus, a private audience. And the protocol was that you handed the Rebbe your note and you wrote in it the things that you wanted the Rebbe to comment on or know about or discuss. And what he had written were the things that he had accomplished, his innovations, etc., and accomplishments over the past school year. And uh, the Rebbe read the note, and then he looked up at the man's face, and the Rebbe's face was serious. And the teacher said, Rebbe, you seem disappointed. Have I done something wrong? Is something the matter with my teaching? And very gently, the Rebbe said, while it is obvious from your report that you are devoted to your mission, I don't perceive that you find joy in your work. And each one of us at this time has to look at what we do, what we do in our homes and at work. Do we shine? It doesn't matter if we're good at something. The key to success is loving what you do. And we've got to find within us the passion to love the Creator, to love the mission He's given us, to embrace wherever we're at, and to serve God with joy in that situation. A Yorzeit is a time when the Neshoma will rise to infinitely greater heights. It is a time when we, by attaching ourselves to that person, can gain in tremendous, tremendous blessing. Let's prepare ourselves. Goodness and kindness and joy to change our mindset, not necessarily to jump off a building or go and do something completely different. Wherever God has put us, in our families, in our relationships, in our work, on the street, in the shops, wherever we go, joy, knowing that God has put us in that situation, brought those people toward us, and we need to respond, and to respond with goodness, with kindness, and with joy. And the goodness and kindness needs to include doing a favor for another. And a favor can mean a material favor. It can mean a spiritual favor. 
We've got to share the study. We've got to share the joy. We've got to share the privilege of being who we are. And then, because I've got a birthday coming up, I would like to share the birthday story. The Rebbe was discussing with a certain rabbi, and he was talking about education. And this really was the Rebbe's big thing, and this is Chabad. Jewish education must not communicate that Yiddishkeit, Judaism, is just a religion of ceremony. But Judaism is a religion of celebration and experience. And that Jews must be taught that their tradition doesn't just commemorate the history. Yes, we have a rich and ancient past, but our religion is alive. It's pertinent, and it links the past to the present in a relevant way, in a real way. Yiddishkeit addresses everything I'm going through now. Later in the conversation, that rabbi told the rabbi that he would be celebrating his birthday. And the rabbi said a birthday actually presents the very same challenge. It poses the challenge like this. On your birthday, you can either commemorate an event that happened years ago, this is the day I was born, or you can experience it as though it has just occurred. As if the person can experience it as if he has just been given a new life and a new purpose. And the truth is that birth is God's way of saying, you matter. Each one of us is alive because we were born. And we were born because we matter. And birthdays are God's reminder to tell you that you matter. And your sights, that's a day of tremendous, tremendous holiness. That's a day of connecting with the person and the dream of that person. And the Rebbe's dream was that the dreaming that we're doing now, that this world is reality, come to an end and that we all wake up. And I will end with a story of a dream. There was an elder chassid, a senior chassid, who had been devoted to the father-in-law of the Rebbe, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he once came to see our Rebbe on a personal matter. And he said to the Rebbe, Rebbe, I recently had a dream in which your father-in-law challenged me to become involved in a certain charitable cause, a certain Sudoka project. And I responded that I was already involved in a similar one. And in the dream, the previous Rebbe said to me, if that's the case, get involved on a smaller scale. And a bit sheepishly, the Chassid continued and said to the Rebbe, now in the private audience, referring to the dream, he said, well, normally I would not have taken up your time with mere dreams, but our sages teach that if a person has a very clear dream, they should take it to heart. And my dream was incredibly clear. Rebbe, what should I make of it? The Rebbe was very serious as he listened to this elder Chosid. 
In my opinion, he said, it's a significant dream and you should fulfill it. And then smiling, the Rebbe said, but our sages teach that there's no dream without pointless words. I believe that the pointless words in your dream are on a small scale. Get involved in a big way. And that was the Rebbe's advice. We are so talented, all of us. We are so filled with potential. When it comes to a good deed, don't be too calculating. When it comes to giving of love, goodness, kindness, don't say, I gave it the office. Don't say, I've already done that. Roll up your sleeves. Take a deep breath. The world is waiting. Let's do what we do with passion. Let's do what we do as if this day is our birthday, the first day of the rest of our lives, the first day of reaching for new goals with greater passion and greater achievement. Have a good Shabbos. And please, God, may we soon celebrate the ultimate Simcha with Mashiach Tzidkenu and peace, joy, and the ultimate fulfillment of all of God's purpose in creating the world. Good Shabbos.